welcome to Breaking the Chain, the leadership series. I am your host, Terentia Brown. In this podcast, we will focus on developing our emotional intelligence as leaders. We will pull back the curtain on the leadership journey experienced by leaders who have inspired and developed countless successful individuals. Welcome everyone to episode four of the leadership series. Our guest today is Michelle Williams-Swartz, Global Head of Quality Systems and Performance for Johnson & Johnson Consumer Health. Michelle is a leader who recognizes and celebrates the individual strengths of every person she leads. I had the privilege of serving on her leadership team, so I have seen firsthand how she brings teams together to accomplish a common goal. I asked Michelle to share about her experience of building a virtual global team during COVID-19. So welcome, Michelle. Thank you for joining us to talk about this relevant topic of remote leadership. Thank you so much, Tarinsha, and I'm so excited to be talking with you today. And before we start, I just wanted to say I absolutely love your leadership podcasts. I've listened to all of them, and they have been so inspiring and just wonderful nuggets shared by the leaders. So thank you so much for the invitation. Not a problem. We are so honored that you said yes. So thank <laughs> you for taking the time to come and share with our community. It means so much to learn from leaders like yourself. So I'm looking forward to our conversation actually today. But before we get started into the questions, I just wanted to put into context why this topic. So I recently did um, a workshop with the Healthcare Business Women's Association on this particular topic actually of remote leadership and quite a few questions came up in our discussion. So many leaders are now faced with building their teams remotely since companies obviously have taken a hybrid approach of working from home and the office. The remote leadership concept is not a new one, just that has come about because of the pandemic. But I think it's a relevant one because it is something that a lot of companies are talking about and people are dealing with on a daily basis. So this is really the reason for this topic that we've chosen. But before we get stuck into the topic for today, we would love to get to know you a little bit better. (laughs) So can you tell us a little bit about your background, where you started your leadership journey, and then some of the leadership positions that you've held over the years? Sure, absolutely, Terensha. So I think at start of by saying, you know, I feel incredibly blessed, you know, to have had a career spanning over 20 years, but spanning over various industries. So I started my career in FMCG, you know, working with Coca-Cola and started it off in the quality assurance field and feel like I've sort of gone full circle because I'm back in quality again after many years of exploring other functions. So started off in quality and I think this is probably Terentia where I, you know, jumped into the deep end, if you like, from a leadership perspective. I think, you know, coming out of university with no leadership experience as such and no working experience as such, I think was my first experience of leading people. And I think I was really fortunate to have people around at the time, you know, that were really supportive 
kicking off my career. But I think it was a huge learning curve for me, really understanding how, you know, as a young leader, how you bring people together and how you value what people were bringing to the table themselves as you were on your learning journey. So I spent some years with Coca-Cola and then really wanted to do something a bit more technical. And this is really what uh, pivoted my career to the weapons industry. So spent a couple of years in the weapons industry, also, you know, in quality. And this phase really was all about taking what I had learned in quality in the Coca-Cola experience and looking at how one would apply what you've learned in a different industry. And this was really about me trying to push myself in, in trying something different and something new, but really pulling through the thread of what I had learned previously. This was really an exciting career path uh, with uh, in the weapons industry, really had the opportunity again, you know, to be mentored and coached by you know, very experienced people. Probably the one role in my career that was incredibly difficult from a, you know, just being a, a very male dominated industry at the time. I was also very young in my career. So, you know, if you think about it as a as a 27-year-old female of color in a male-dominated environment, which was highly technical and really working and leading teams that were much, much older at the time and really learning how, you know, to leverage that, but also making sure that you're bringing your best as well and, you know, leveraging skill sets from others. So after a couple of years there, I, I moved into the automotive industry. Again, here, I think huge learning experiences. You know, I could grow in terms of understanding what quality meant in building the business and building the brand. So spent a number of years there and, you know, really started to use the opportunities to pivot into other areas like uh, safety and environmental management. And, uh, you know, it's through this sort of curiosity that led me to, you know, take on a role in safety or she with J&J. And, you know, this helped me to sort of explore different areas and spent a couple of years doing that. And that somehow led to really a huge part of my career that I spent in operations and really fell in love with operations and supply chain. When I was introduced uh, to a role as a plant manager with uh, Johnson & Johnson, and I think that led to many other opportunities of leading, you know, with factories, leading bigger teams, establishing new teams. And I think from there, great opportunity with uh, Unilever running one of their factories here in, in Durban in South Africa, and really just continued the journey from a supply chain and, and a manufacturing perspective. Mm -hmm. And then back into quality a couple of years ago with uh, Unilever. And, and that, again, was a great experience, you know, leading the Africa team and learning about the very diverse cultures within Africa. And then my current role, that led back to the current role within Johnson & Johnson leading the global team, which has been a fantastic experience over the last year. Wow. So as you were talking, one of the pictures that came to my mind was how you've been connecting the dots. So there's many jumps. It's not a straight line. So I think that's so encouraging to hear from a leader like yourself that, you know, it's about saying yes, saying yes to things that scare you. <laughs> I'm sure, you know, saying yes to some of those roles were was not easy, but you said yes to it and the growth that came from it, I'm sure has been priceless. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, Tarincha. And I think, you know, often we, of course, many of us, you know, we doubt ourselves, you know, could I really do that? But I think what we sometimes miss is, 
somebody steps up and, and asks you to, to, to lead or to do something, right? And what we must remember is that somebody sees something in you, often what we don't see in ourselves, you know, and sometimes it's really about trusting that people are wanting to help you and wanting to set you up for success, believing in that, and then bring your best self, right? As scary as that may be, you know, so yes. absolutely, absolutely. Yes. So, so that leads very nicely into our next question, which we ask all our podcast guests. So the question is, what has been your biggest fear when you started your leadership journey? And how did you work on overcoming it? Hmm. Sure. I think, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think my, my biggest fear has actually been disappointing those who believe in me. And, and exactly what you said earlier, you know, you, you, you get these opportunities and, you know, you want to say yes, but, you know, you step into these big roles and in a space potentially for me where I didn't see other women doing this or women as young as I am or women of color. So it's, it, it was always experiences of being the first you know, to go through this. And, and it was, it was absolutely scary, you know, and I think the thought of then disappointing the person who believes in you is probably what has been for me the most difficult thing. Mm. Right. But again, it's, it's all about, you know, just believing that somebody believes in you and, you know, you just continue to bring your best self because that's ultimately what they have seen in you. Absolutely. Right. In order for them to, you know, either offer you an opportunity and continue to support you. Right. And what I've done to overcome that, I think it's, it's about just reminding yourself, you know, of what you have overcome already. Cause I think we, mm -hmm. somehow we forget this so quickly, you know, you go on to the next yeah. thing and you're like, can I really do this? You know, but you've already done so much, you know, and we all have these examples, you know, throughout our lives, even not only from a career perspective. And, and I think it's important to take stock, you know, of all of those things that you've already overcome and let that sort of ignite your energy and, and you take you to the next level. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I love that you say, you know, take the time, stop and reflect. Uh, this is something that I'm always encouraging all my clients to do. We actually have this in our workbook, stop and reflect, stop and reflect, because I think that's where the power lies. The power of the reflection is where your confidence actually grows over time. So yeah, thank you for sharing that. So as we get into this topic of remote leadership, one of the reasons I actually thought that you would be the perfect guest to actually talk about this topic is because of your last two roles, right? So which has been remote leadership roles. So one across Africa and then now across the globe, which you actually started during the pandemic. So I would love to find out what is the first thing you do when you start a role like this, where your entire team is scattered across different locations? <laughs> yeah, what an exciting and interesting time it was, right? Yeah. Moving into these roles. I think in my previous role, you know, leading the Africa Quality Leadership Team, I had leaders in seven different locations, you know, South Africa, Ghana, Nigeria, Kenya, Francophone Africa. And, you know, I think the biggest thing for me was that I... I just saw this opportunity as such a rich experience really to learn about, you know, so many cultures mm -hmm. across, across Africa. And I think it was all about taking the time to get to know each of my team members. And I think in both roles, 
Something I'm very particular about is really carving out the time to get to know the individual. I always talk about, you know, it's more than just a title. You know, you start off in a new role and you get an org chart, you know, and you see the boxes, the faces, the titles, right? And for me, it's always been about how do I get to know the person behind that title and that position, right? And I've always been very intentional about this. And it certainly has served me well because I think it really allowed me to see, very quickly see, you know, the team's strengths, their passions, you know, what their career aspirations are, you know, really get to understand the cultural backgrounds. And I think really understanding all of these things very early on in the process uh, for both these roles has helped me significantly in my onboarding and 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 really just positioning myself as a leader who can support my team because I understand who they are. So I think really get to know your teams. And then from a practical standpoint, I think from the, the mm-hmm. role that I have now, it's really just been about understanding where everybody is based. Literally, it's about, okay, be mindful. <laughs> <laughs> be mindful that you cannot put, you know, a meeting invite in the calendar and uh, somebody is based in the West Coast. Um, yes. You know, so it's really been mindful and understanding where people are and, and mm-hmm. some of these small things but important things, you know, understanding what those are and prioritizing them. Yeah, so good to hear that. And, you know, we talk about building high performing teams and it's so important not to just, you know, think of the team as a whole, but also to think about the individual. Yeah. So what you talk about is understanding each person and then how they all fit into this team. So in our Emerge Leadership Program, we actually teach leaders how to build high performing teams. So in a matrix environment, in a virtual or a face-to-face environment. So I remember the training we actually had in Cape Town when I was on your leadership team many years ago. So we learned that the basis of a high-performing team is building strong relationships with the people that you get to work with. So how do you intentionally build those relationships with the people that you get to lead? Mm. Yeah, absolutely important, uh, Terencia. I think for me, I believe, you know, it's it's like you said, it's it's relationship building both at a team level and at an individual level, right? So if we talk about the team, in addition to sort of your formal team sessions, how we connect, align and prioritize, you know, to deliver our goals and support the business. Again, I do virtual coffee catch-ups with my team. Mm-hmm. And this is my extended team. I have got over 80 team members in the global team. And I'm really, really intentional about staying connected with them. You know, I think that in a, let's say, team setup, you don't really get to connect with your teams. But when you connect with them individually and then bring them into a team setup, you establish these connection points. You know, I can then after these coffee catch-ups, I know so much about my teams. You know, I talk to them about their families. I talk to them about, you know, their spouses, what they're passionate about, their kids' names, you know. And, mm. and for me, that personal level of connection is is really what what I feel is important for us to be able to connect better, you know, in a work setup, right? So I'm very yeah. intentional about that. And I think people appreciate that. Yes. I put myself in their shoes. And, you know, if my boss can ask me, you know, how my kids are, 
and actually mm-hmm. can remember one of their names, I think that leads like yeah. such a good impression on me and, you know, creates a level of loyalty that, you know, the person really cares for me as an individual mm-hmm. and makes me my best self. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was something I, I learned from you. And I remember the first time someone said to me, you remember my daughter's name? I said, yes, because you, you told <laughs> yeah. me the last time. <laughs> So I think, you know, that sometimes people get taken aback, but I think, you know, we spend so much time with these people that we work with that I think it's important for us to know the person, not just from the career, the professional side, but knowing them as a person, yeah, as a human, really. So yeah, thank you for those practical tools. But, you know, over the years of being a leader myself, I've I've also learned that the glue that holds a high performing team together is trust. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I've I've heard from a few clients that it's actually quite difficult to build trusting teams when you have a remote team, mm-hmm. right? Because you don't see them all the time. So how do you as a leader then create that environment where your team, you know, feels free to speak up, where your team takes the initiative to help a fellow colleague without us waiting for you to ask them to do that <laughs> or where a team member, you know, makes themselves vulnerable enough to also mm-hmm. ask for help. Yeah. So how, how do you go about doing that? Yeah. Oh, I love, I love this question because it's just so real, you know, it's, it's exactly what, you know, some of the challenges are that we face, right? And I don't know if I've got the, the right answer because I think we all as leaders and mm-hmm. our leaders try to navigate this space, right? And I, I can certainly share, you know, one thing that we have uh, been doing as a team we implemented a check-in, right? A team check-in. And what this means is that, you know, before we start our business and we start our team meeting, we do a, a virtual round table essentially. And we, mm-hmm. we ask each team member to give a rating, uh, you know, from one to 10 of how they're feeling today, right? It just indicates how you're feeling in that moment. And this helps us to sort of gauge where people are, right? And because the why behind that is, you know, particularly now in the virtual world and the remote world, it's so difficult to see what people are going through, right? You mm-hmm. can't see that the body language or, you know, they, they're not looking themselves today. You can normally tell, you know, these things when you see people face to face, but, you know, behind the screen, you really have no idea what they've been through. You know, somebody might have been uh, up all night with a sick child, etc., and you have no mm. idea, right? So really we take the time as a team to sort of understand where you are at, you know, then that brings understanding for the rest of the team, you know, m- why somebody might uh, sound a bit offish today on the call, you know, might not mm. have completed some of the tasks. And, you know, this helps the team, you know, to be then be there for one another. When you hear somebody has had a difficult day, I've seen how my team now have you know, they've been amazing. They leaned into this idea and and really made it fun, yeah. right? But also offered mm. opportunities for them to reach out to one another and support each other, you know. So to your mm. point, Terry, the vulnerable, you know, being vulnerable, that's certainly come up and I've and I've seen them, you know, being brave and courageous about that but also reaching out to support one another. And it absolutely starts with, you know, role modeling that behavior first as a leader. And then, you know, people follow, they see the value, they see the impact, and then they follow. So, you know, thank you for being a leader like that, that, you know, we can also learn from. Just thank you. So yeah, another key principle that 
we teach about high-performing teams is effective communication between the leader and the team. Yeah. So what is your communication strategy with your team? How often do you connect with them? What tools do you use to connect with them? I know you spoke about the coffee catch-ups. Mm-hmm. Are there anything else that you that you use? How do you connect? Yeah. Again, you know, any leader will tell you probably communication is like, it's one of the hardest things to do, right? And I think that I continuously try and find ways to improve, you know, even in my own uh, communication as a leader. But I think that the biggest lesson though I've learned personally is that, you know, people have preferences in how they choose or how they see good communication, right? And it's difficult to meet everyone's needs. So it's really important to find the right balance with communication and and to your point, using the right tools and platforms based on these different needs, right? So I think in addition to understanding your team and what they might prefer as a way of communication, I try and be very flexible with my teams, you know? So I, I often make a proposal for how we would communicate uh, for governance, you know, how often we meet. And then I give it to the team to explore and, and refine together. You know, I think as as you become more senior in your leadership, I'm learning mm-hmm. that, you know, not everything is has to come from you, right? And e- e- equally so for yes. communication, right? So it's really about try and have your team sort of build on what they see as effective communication, shape that together. Uh, from a practical mm-hmm. perspective, I think you know, really agreeing on where information is shared, how to stay connected in terms of business chats and things like that is important. And and we've got all these tools today, right? SharePoints, Teams, et cetera. So I think all of that exists, but align with your teams in terms of what works better. But the, the last piece I'd say from a social aspect, considering remote work right now, you know, we don't get the opportunity to bump into each other and share weekend news, right? So we decided as a team, um, you know, how do we get to know one another better on a social level? So we created a WhatsApp group. I mean, no, mm. nothing out of this world, you know, but it's a <laughs> WhatsApp group that is strictly for us to share some weekend news, fun activities, you know, what families are doing. And it's really just sort of a sneak peek into our social spaces as far as, of course, we allow one another in, but it helps us to further strengthen the team's communication and connection, right? So particularly now, I think that that has been important and it works well. Great. Yeah. I remember, you know, we used to do that when we were in um, East London and Johnson and Johnson, (laughs) some of those pictures actually come up and remind me, you know, every now and again, uh, a memory comes up. So, you know, I love seeing those memories and, and the relationships that we built with, with each of us on those leadership teams. So yeah, for for sure. I think, you know, having those different ways of communicating is so important. But there's another aspect to the communication that I want us to just unpack a bit. So I recently saw a post on Instagram, which said that 100% of communication consists of the following, 7% of what you say, 38% of how you say it, and then 55% of body language. So do you have any ground rules uh, with your team when it comes to having their video on during calls so that that 55% of communication (laughs) is not missed? (laughs) These are tough questions. (laughs) Um, You know, Terry, I think what comes to mind for me is 
inclusive leadership, right? I think I'd love to say, hey, listen, in my calls, in my meetings, you know, it's like cameras on kind of thing because I don't want to miss that that, uh, 55%, right? Because it's important, right? But I think what really comes to mind for me, considering just how challenging things have been for people, right, is is really more the importance of inclusive leadership and really understanding your teams and also understanding when it is really important to have cameras on and 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 when you, they, you, they don't need to, right? We all talk about Zoom fatigue, right? Yes. And 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 it's just important that you're sensitive as a leader to what your teams might be going through. And I think when you do need the cameras on, being able to ask that of them and also role modeling that behavior, right? If if you are on important call, switch on your camera, you know, be engaging, be energized. And I think, you know, you don't even have to say much. I think your team will follow suit. Yeah, absolutely. You know, being an introvert myself, I, I know firsthand the effect virtual <laughs> meetings have on my energy level. So, you know, you were talking about that that Zoom fatigue or the, you know, the virtual fatigue. So actually some studies have been done post the lockdown that have shown that shorter meetings are actually more effective and productive. So taking breaks between the meetings is actually encouraged to give your eyes, to give your brain a rest from this computer screen that we are (laughs) um, looking at the whole day. So how do you as an introverted leader then manage your own energy levels when you are connecting in this virtual environment? Yeah, Uh, I think the first thing I really had to learn was to take control of my calendar. I, I realized, you know, after many, many days, and to your point, you know, being an introvert, it really, really drains you. And if you're not mindful of it and you allow, you know, your calendar to be controlled by other people, you just will not be able to manage, right? So I, and nobody's going to do it for you. That's the big lesson I learned. Nobody's going to come and clear my calendar put in the breaks that I need, I had to take control of it so that I can actively manage my my energy levels. That was the first mm-hmm. thing. Then one other tip for me was I was intentional about the meetings that I could slot in and turn into walking meetings, right? So if mm-hmm. it was a coffee catch up or if it was a, a meeting where I was just listening in, I was mindful of where those are in my calendar and I would actually take them outside or walking on my treadmill and and this was also just part of building resilience, right? Which we all need mm. and, and needed throughout this difficult phase, right? So I think just being intentional about those meetings and carving out the time, take control of your calendar. Absolutely. Yeah, I love that. Having having a meeting while walking on your treadmill. <laughs> this is this is the creativity we need. <laughs> <laughs> from leaders for sure you know i'm i've always said to you michelle that i'm so grateful for the mentoring that you've given me over the years and you know i've personally witnessed you handle so many difficult situations with but your main focus has always still remained you know people first so what would you say are the challenges and the rewards then of leading a remote team I'd say, you know, if we had to say challenges, I'd say I miss the like the connection, right? Just the mm. spontaneity of, you know, looking at somebody, like truly looking at them in their eyes and smiling. And I love those kind of connections, right? And um, I think they're just so natural. And then often they can just lead to 
you know, better connections and conversations, right? And I think today with everything having to be planned and outlook, <laughs> I really just, <laughs> I just miss that face-to-face connection. That's a lot more natural, right? Um, but I'd say from a, what's been most rewarding, probably that I would not have experienced if it wasn't for sort of working remotely, it's, it's been the global reach. I've just felt incredibly blessed that you know, sitting from home, uh, I'm still able to work with people from such di- diverse backgrounds from across the world. I'm experiencing, you know, I'm, I'm, people are sharing experiences. Uh, I didn't need to travel to, to, to be part of those experiences. So I think just the global reach and the richness of the diverse experiences that I've, that I've managed to be part of uh, with the global teams has been very rewarding. Great. Wow. Yeah. And yeah, we just appreciate the time you've you've taken to come and share all these insights. We're actually at, at the <laughs> almost at the end of the episode. I've loved hearing from you. But before before we wrap up, there's there's one more question that I always love asking our guests so that we can learn, you know, from you as a senior leader. What is the best advice that you have been given by a leader that you still carry with you today? I'd say just be yourself. And, you know, it sounds simple, but very often I think, you know, we feel, we question ourselves, you know, question our abilities. And often as introverted leaders, we might feel the pressure of trying to be like a different leader, right? Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, when somebody said to me, just continue to be yourself, you hear because of who you are. Continue to grow yourself, of course, and develop yourself, but just be yourself. Don't lose that uh, authenticity. So I'd say, yeah, it, it's just be yourself and let those words sort of sink in. Yeah. Great advice. And I think this also comes from the self-awareness. So taking time out to really know who you are, your strengths, your values, your purpose, your why. Yes. I think that really builds that confidence for people to feel like, hey, I'm I'm bringing value. I'm impacting in this way. Thank you for reinforcing that. That is actually one of the core skills of emotional intelligence uh, <laughs> is that self-awareness. So yeah, thank you for you know raising that. Um, what could be one small action that our listeners can take away and then get started on this journey of intentionally building a strong virtual or remote team? I'd say be intentional about connecting mm. and listening. Mm. I think if you carve out time, Uh, you really make the time to connect with people and listen to them, I think magic happens. I think so many things come from these connections, whether it is for the business, for your career or for their career. Mm -hmm. I think really carving out the time, being intentional about spending the time connecting Mm -hmm. with people, especially as a leader and the more senior you become, you know, as a leader, connect and listen. Wow. Wow. Just so, you know, thank you so much, Michelle, for sharing these invaluable insights, you know, around this topic and and just showing people that, you know, we can actually apply a lot of this, not just from our remote leadership perspective, but also, you know, when we lead our teams face to face, I think those those practical tools, you know, can be applied on, on the both 
both ways. And we really appreciate the time you've taken. I know your schedule is really busy. Um, And, you know, we appreciate you coming and investing into our community to build our emerging leaders. This is really going to make a difference in the lives of many people. So thank you. Thank you so much, Tarin Chan. Thank you for all you do. It's amazing to see the impact you're making and uh, continue the amazing work. Oh, thanks, Michelle. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in and being intentional about improving your emotional intelligence. So pre- please reach out to me on LinkedIn if you would like to learn more about our leadership programs that we offer where we develop emerging leaders. Thank you everyone for tuning in and being intentional about improving your emotional intelligence. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button. You can listen to us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, or even on our website at www.breakingthechain.online.